You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. And uh, this is going to be a little bit of things that you've heard before, but I'm going to say it in a little bit different way. This is what you find out about preachers. They only have about three messages. They just find different ways to package them, um, which really isn't, isn't true. But, uh, you know, everybody, including every minister, has got uh, main revelations that the Lord has really made come alive to them. It's the same for you. And, you know, when you have a, a, a pulpit ministry for an occupation, it just comes out of you. Those things just come out of you. And so one of the things that has really come alive to me in the last few years, and I'm learning to articulate it better and in different ways and have a fuller understanding of it myself, but it's the idea of dying to self. And when you look at the ministry of Jesus and the ministry he had with his disciples, if I, had, <clears throat> if I could pick out one message that Jesus preached and he was the greatest preacher, teacher, pastor, evangelist, apostle, prophet, all of those. He was the greatest ever. Everyone agrees with that. His main message, from what I can see, is really death to self. And you might say, well, I think that's not the main one. Well, the more I read Jesus, that's the thing that I see. And if I, if I can see one thing in the church as a whole that is a problem, it is that we have too much flesh that's still alive. Most of the problems that we encounter in this life are not the devil. Now, sometimes, and especially like with Joyce's thing she was talking about, that was an attack from the enemy. There are, there are those things. But most of what we encounter, and maybe I should just speak for myself. Maybe this message is only for me. I, I don't know. But <clears throat> most of the problems I've encountered have been really self-inflicted wounds because I've been fleshy. Come on, let's just be honest in here. And we found ourselves, uh, you know, walking in the flesh, uh, reacting in the flesh, thinking in the flesh, believing in the flesh, and we just find ourselves being fleshy. Now, you can be uh, in the flesh and not be in sin. All sin is carnality, but not all carnality is sin. Nevertheless, to be spiritually minded is is life and peace, but to be carnally minded or to be flesh minded, the Bible says is death. And so we, we think, I believe, and I'm giving you the problem and I'm going to give you some solution. Amen. I believe that believers, and I think everybody is, you know, from the, the time they get saved until the time they go on home to be with the Lord, you never really arrive, but hopefully you leave. Hopefully you leave. Uh, but I think the, the vast majority of people, Christians, who have called on Jesus as Lord, still live too much in the flesh. They still live with too much awareness of self. We are too self-aware. We are too much into self-esteem and not enough of Christ's esteem. And it says in Romans chapter 6 and in verse, excuse me, chapter 8 and in verse 5, it says that if we have been found in the likeness of his death, then we also should be found in the likeness of his resurrection. But it says that there's an if there. It says if we have been found in the likeness of his death. 
I think when you first get saved, there's a level of death there because you're saying, I can't do it, Lord. I cannot do it in and of myself. I have to have you. I cannot save me. Probably everyone in this room has come to that realization. But you know, there are higher levels of death that you can come to in your life. Amen? And it's really a, a one-time decision, but it's a continual act to lay yourself on the altar all the time. This is why Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. I've heard of many messages on the cross and about what Christ did for us on the cross, and I thank God for those messages. I preach those messages. I believe those messages. But when Jesus talked about the cross, he talked less about his sacrifice and more about what he was requiring of them. The cross is an instrument of death. It's not anything else. So when he was saying to pick up your cross, he was saying you need to completely abandon, die, uh, have no part of, completely burn up on the altar, completely bury, completely wash away, any phrase you want to use. He was saying you're not supposed to have anything to do with the flesh. There's grace, though, and I thank God for that because if there wasn't grace, I wouldn't be standing here because <laughs> I have flesh like everybody else. My point in saying all this is that we have to come to, an, to a complete awareness of two, two things. One is, is that our spiritual position is perfect. If, if you have been saved and you've been sealed, spiritually, your, your spiritual position in him is it's perfect. You're seated with him in heavenly places. You can't get any better than where you are right now in your spirit, man, and in your position with your relationship with, in the Lord. But it's also true, this is the other thing we must know, is that our current condition needs much repositioning. Thank you, guys. Let me come over here because I don't think this side got it. Our current condition needs much repositioning. And if we would just go back and look in the past, shoot, probably this morning, but certainly we'll just, we'll just allow a big period of time. Let's say in the last month. How about that? We go and look in the last month. And if you could go and count all of the flesh encounters that we've had in the past month, it would probably not be very good. It could be really discouraging. And I, I don't want anyone to be discouraged. But there has to come to this place to where we're honest to say, Lord, that was flesh. Let's lay it on the altar. Because, you know, John the Baptist, he said, less of me and more of you. And Partially, that's not true for us because he was an Old Testament believer and we're a New Testament believer. And it's not true in the sense that we already have the fullness of God. You can, we can't have any more of God than we already do. But it is true in the sense that we need more of us to get out of the way so more of him can be manifest through us. So understanding, coming to a place of maturity to understand both of these dynamics are at work. That we are both in perfect position before him and with him and beside him and, and seated next to him on the throne. And our condition here on this earth needs some serious help. Both of those realities, for, both, for us to walk in an understanding of both of those realities is extremely important. This actually is not your typical Sunday morning message because it, it doesn't pet the flesh. It crucifies the flesh. What I'm telling you right now and telling all of us is that your stinking flesh needs to get out of the way.
Amen. But isn't that what we want? Don't we want to grow and increase and have, have more of the life of Christ coming out of us? I don't know about you all, but that's what I am after. So going back to the scriptures and just, just very simply looking at some things and becoming more aware of what uh, the Apostle Paul and what Jesus and the different writers of the New Testament were trying to get us to do. And when you look at everything in the, in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament was about, it was about performance. It really wasn't. But when they came underneath of the law, um, they, the point of the law was to get people to such a point of focusing on their inability in the flesh that they go, God, I just can't, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And he's like, perfect. Just trust me. That's really was the point of the law. But people twisted things in the Pharisees and Sadducees and all of them. They twisted things. They dumbed down the law and made people believe that they could live at a certain level and God would be pleased with them, all of that. And so people always have a tendency to look to flesh and to want to perform and to want to be, you know, wherever. But we have to be totally done away with the flesh in every single aspect. And when you look at the Jesus, but specifically the Apostle Paul, there is this total crucifixion. Uh, crucifixion, crucifying of the flesh. Because he says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God and sistren. If we're going to write it today, we'd say both probably. But just generally speaking to the whole church, he said, I beseech you. And it's a strong and pouring. He's saying, please listen to me. Don't not listen to me. Listen to the words that I'm telling you. That's what it means to beseech. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you Meaning, okay, now the ball's in your court, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Now, if you read a verse like that and you don't understand faith righteousness, you could read that and go, oh my God, God's not going to be pleased with me till I get it all taken, out, taken care of. If that was the case, God would never be pleased with anybody. in the sound booth? It's working now. You guys come up here. We're going to pray for your flesh. No, I'm just kidding. Who knows? Technology and sound stuff, it's just, it's just a pain. But a mature person or a mature person, if you're more mature, you say mature. If you're less mature, you say mature. A very... Um, well-balanced, balanced, advanced person in the Lord will both be able to say, I know who I am in Christ and the weakness in my flesh or the strength in my flesh does not define me. Because some people could be so down on themselves because they're not hitting the mark and other people could think so highly of themselves because they think that they're doing so great. But a really mature, mature, excellent, excelled person in the Lord will be able to look at themselves honestly and be able to esteem Christ in their spirit and say that I'm nothing without Christ, but with him I am everything, but at the same time say, my flesh needs to continue to be crucified. So he says, and this is in Romans 12 and 1, and if this wasn't a verse I was going to, but pull that up there if you would please, Romans 12 and 1, and it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, the balls in your court, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. It's not even the high service, it's the reasonable service. 
But you know what I believe is the highest level of Christianity? You know what I believe is the highest level of Christianity? Is Jesus our example? Let me just see a show of hands in here. Who believes that Jesus is our example? What is the thing that he ultimately came to? Death. Now, he did, you know, raise from the dead. Praise God for that. But the ultimate thing he came to was death. The highest level of Christianity that you can come to is complete and utter death. And, you know, just with things that God's been doing and speaking and stuff, I was like, Lord, you really want me to minister this? I feel like they know this. He's like, well, do you know it? I said, yes. And he said, well, do you need to know it more? I said, well, you know me. <laughs> we need to continue to hear this. Because this, this, our flesh is the thing that's keeping us and hindering us from going to the place that we need to be. And here's the thing, too. It's not always about dealing with things, but it's, all, it's about always keeping things in check. It's about always keeping yourself at a place to where you realize that you can get off the beaten path. You could become deceived. You could get off into sin. You could do, you know, whatever it is. You and me both, we all can do that. So living with an awareness that our flesh, all, all it's been purchased, but it hasn't been redeemed. Your spirit man's been purchased and redeemed. But your flesh and my flesh has only been purchased, and we have not received the, the full redemption in our flesh. Now, we can manifest the redeeming power as we appropriate faith, and, and, and you, can, uh, you can see some changes, and you can see some advancement, but you're going to deal with your flesh for the rest of your life. So a balance isn't becoming hard on yourself nor thinking highly of yourself, but going, I know who I am in Christ and my identity is in him and I'm seated and positioned perfectly with him. But at the same time, I also recognize that I got some growth that needs to take place. And the only way I can do that is that I, I remain dead and buried on the altar, whatever analogy you want to, whatever analogy you want to use. Amen. So let's look here in Philippians chapter two. Are you all still with me? You better say yes or your flesh is not in check. I'll give you another chance. Y'all still with me? Yeah. yeah, resounding yes. I thought so. Okay, so let's look here. Philippians chapter 2. And I started reading this, I think it was last week. And I started in verse 2, or in verse 1, excuse me, of chapter 2. And let's just go back and just read a couple verses and get to where I want to get. So in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 2, it says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Verse 3, let nothing. Now, does every, you, you know what, do you know what the Greek word is here for nothing, what it means? It means nothing. It means something, but the something is nothing. It means nothing. It's not complicated. It says, let nothing, no thing, not one thing, absolutely nothing, no thing, Nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. If, we, if we'll just stop, and I, forgive me for judging you by my standards. Maybe, maybe I just needed to preach this just to myself, just for me. But I, I tend to think that if I still deal with things, then other people do too, and maybe I'm wrong for that. I don't know. But for me, I have to constantly come back and say, Lord... Why am I doing the thing that I'm doing? Because whenever we're doing something, we should desire that our motives are completely 100% pure in everything that we do. 
And I'll be honest with you, I have done things. And I occasionally will find myself doing things where I'll check my heart motives and I'll realize I was looking for a pat on the back. I was looking for a little accolades. I was, I was looking for somebody to, to say, boy." I was looking for some kind of petting of the flesh to make myself feel good. That is, that is selfish ambition when we do those things. Every single thing that we do, we should look and see, why am I doing this? I mean everything. Why are you laying hands on somebody? You know, I, when I first started learning about healing, and I didn't, I didn't know that the Lord had to correct me, I was so fired up about seeing people healed that I just laid hands on everything. And it was like, if they, even if they didn't want me to, I was going to find a way to lay hands on them. I mean, I was just excited about it. But you know, after a while doing it, even though I, I was walking in a revelation that I had, the Lord had to bring me back, and I, be, I began to realize that I was laying hands on people because I wanted to see them healed. I wanted to see them healed. I wanted to lay my hands on them, and I wanted to see them healed. Oftentimes, having no regard for the fact that they were in pain. Where was your heart motive at, Kent? In me seeing a miracle, seeing healing, not in the person getting healed. Fine line. You know what that is? Flesh. It's just flesh. Nothing wrong with being excited about it. I mean, my God, anybody loves to see a miracle who's got any kind of brain cell at all. I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome to see God work through you, knowing you have no ability to do anything, but God's ability is in you. That's fun. I don't care who you are. But if we're not careful, we can make things be about ourselves. This is where things have gone awry or array. However you say that. They've gone off track. I wish I'd done better in English before I became a preacher. People make their, the gifting that they're doing, their ministry all about their gifting, oftentimes, and not the person that needs to receive the benefit of the gift that came from God that didn't derive from them in the first place. What's the motive why we would preach? What's the reason why we would teach? What's the motive why we would testify? What's the motive why we would lead somebody to the Lord? What's the motive why we would do anything? Is it through for selfish gain, even if that gain, because we think about selfish gain like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a preacher and he's out for filthy lucre, you know, well, yeah, that would be one type, but what about that, that preacher or that person that who's just on fire for Jesus, but they're really trying to get as many notches in their belt as they possibly can to make themselves feel better? Wrong motive. Is this, am I cutting too deep here? Or I think it's good. It says, let nothing, let nothing. Let me tell you this. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let's see. What side has the, the, the most amount of little kids? I think it's probably split. Listen, people discipline their kids because they're tired of hearing them. You don't discipline your kids for your sake. You do it for their sake. Little rabbit trail, but it's true. I've learned this. Let me tell you something that, that is getting ready to increase on this house. It is 
it is the anointing and the blessing of the Father. And do you know that the Father, he doesn't do things for his sake. He does things for our sake. The nature of a dead life is one that does everything for everybody else, at least in terms of motives. The motive is to bless other people. Now, you need to take heed to yourself. There's, there's many verses that talk about that. You have to take care of yourself. Nothing wrong with that. But when you're talking about ministering outward, what is the, what is the benefit that you're doing it for? Is it for the people or is it for yourself? And it can be mutual because it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? It was a relationship with us. But more than anything, it was to be able to bless us, his kids. His motives were pure. So let me go on and read this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Verse four, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He didn't say, let these actions come forth from you that came from Jesus. He said, let this mind, what kind of mind was it? He's getting ready to tell, he just told us and he's getting ready to tell us more. It's a kind of mind that completely abandons self. It's a complete abandonment of self. I have this book. Where is this book? And uh, me and Dale Craig have a lot of fun and we've had it for, for years. And oftentimes we'll be joking around or something and one of us will say to the other one, you know, I've got this little blue book that you really need to read. And here is this little blue book. It's called Self-Centeredness, The Source of All Grief. I encourage you to read it. Some, when I give it to one person, they're like, well, why are you giving that to me? <laughs> it's like, well, you need to read it. <laughs> Everybody needs to read it. We are so aware of self. And you want to know why you're grieving in your life in any area that you are grieving? It's because you're focused on self. You don't believe me, read the book. It's like $4. You can get it and you can read it in an hour and it'll blow your mind. One time, I'd already read this book three or four times and I was, I came into my office one day and I'm like, I'm just going to read that. I'm going to read that book again so I can teach others, you know. <laughs> I didn't really think that, but flesh is like that. And I got to this one point and it was, it was talking about, um, help me out here. What was that? What was the, the phrase? Yes, and it's talking about an elder should not only be not given to wine, but also be sober-minded, and it's like, isn't that the same thing? No, one is talking about not being given to wine, not being a drunkard. The other one is talking about having control of your thoughts, and very specifically, it's talking about not being given to speculative, speculative imagination, and when I read that, I was like, my God, I've been doing that. And what that looks like is speculating how everything around you is going to affect you based on how the outcome is going to be. And I go home, I think it was for lunch, I go home to my very caring, merciful wife, and I'm like, man, God, I was reading that self-sitterness, the source of all grief book, and God really just showed me something. And I started to explain the speculative imagination. She goes, you do that! It's like, 
I know, I'm repenting of that, and I'm telling you, a little concern and care and prayer would be nice. But she didn't. She just stabbed my flesh like it needed to be stabbed, and she drowned it in the river and said, get on with yourself, Kent. And that's sometimes what we just need to do. Amen? Oh, my God. Do you know why? Do you know why people aren't free in worship? It's because they're too concerned about what other people are going to think about them. If they lift their hands, if they jump, if they shout. See, for most people, for Christians, it's not an issue whether God is worthy of it. Everyone agrees with that. And in this church, it's not an issue of whether there's freedom or not. Everybody can see that there's freedom. And I understand some people are more conservative than others. I'm, I'm more of a conservative person, so I, I get that. I get that. Katie is not. But <laughs> it's not a license to get wild, Katie. Okay. It is actually, yeah. Um, but the reason we wouldn't do it is because simply, purely put, we care too much about what other people would think if we do something. We want to do it. It's like, man, I really want to jump or I really want to, I finally want to lift my voice and shout. You know, there's, people think that it's fleshy to get a room full of people shouting for Jesus. There's an anointing on our voices to physically be lifted and belted out and to praise God. There's an anointing on it. People, enjoy, and it's God-given to enjoy it. And Katie's talked about this before. You go to a football game or, you know, a hockey game. Oh, man, hockey fans are wild. You go to a hockey game. Man, and they're, they're saying all kinds of things. They're shouting and saying profanities. And, but there's something about speaking out and cheering that God's put in us. It's just that most of the time we get too excited about the wrong stuff. But we come to church and we're worried about what people are going to think. Who, As long as the pastor's fine with it and this pastor is fine with it, who gives a rip what anybody else thinks? Because when you are in heaven, all flesh will be gone. And I can tell you now, you will be totally, completely abandoned before him. A hundred percent. And you think, well, I, could, I, could, I just don't know that I, I could ever kneel and lift my hands. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That means you and 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 everybody in the whole earth. But there is a blessing, and I shared this last night. The greatest revival is one of choice, not one of compulsion. Everybody loves to hear about how, you know, like the Spirit of God moved and people just fell on their faces or these things were happening. How about people that feel nothing but make the choice to lift their voice, to lift their hands, to hit their knees, to fall on their face, to jump up and down, to run around the room? How about those people? Because those are people that are saying, I don't care what my flesh feels like. I care about my God being honored in every single thing that I do. Even if it means I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to move past it anyways. Amen. So it says, let this mind be in you. Your actions will follow your thinking. You think, and then you do. Now, some people I've met, they do, and then they think. Y'all had probably some kids at times. It's like, did you even think? But gen gen generally speaking, we do something because we've already gone there in our minds. This is, all this is actually is just, this is Bible hope. So if you want to see yourself get past flesh, I'm not saying that you don't have flesh or I don't have flesh, but we should have a desire to overcome it, to get past it, to move past it. 
And so the way that you do that is, this is real true Bible hope. It's using your imagination and going there on the inside, and then faith is actually stepping into that on the outside. It's seeing the manifestation of it. So if, you, if you're thinking, man, I've always wanted to dance in worship. I'm just using worship for an example. I've always wanted to dance in worship. Go there in your mind first. If you will think it, then eventually you'll be able to go there. You know, there's some people, I, this, I mean, and I'm, I'm just being bold and blunt because that's who I be. Sometimes I get done preaching, I'm telling you, it's a fight because I know I, I, know I tick people off sometimes. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to tick anybody off, but I just do. I, it is beyond me how anybody, boy, this is strong. It may be if I sat down, would it, would it feel nicer? No, that's just weird. That ain't going to work. <laughs> huh? Emojis. I heard emojis. It's like, no, 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 no. Keep going. Um, I, for the life of me, cannot understand why someone who is born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost, claims to have a relationship with Jesus, says they read their Bible, doesn't tithe. I can't, I can't understand it. I, I understand people can have situations and things going on in their family with spouses and different things. There could be, there could be some instances, but I cannot understand, especially with test. And I'm not going to see a show of hands, but the, the majority of you in here, I know that you do tithe. Um, and if we were to have a line of people <laughs> that to come up here and say, tell us about how tithing, how God has multiplied and how God has increased and how he has taken care of you, let's have testimonies. We, we would be here till the end of tonight. But yet you'll still have people that are so bound by their, it's flesh, like, oh, what am I going to do if I don't, if I give 10% away? Well, if you give 10% away with the right heart, you're going to see to it that God will take care of your, your, your needs. I, I've never met a poor tither. I've never met a poor person who tithes. I've met a lot of poor people who don't give a dime. But I've never met a poor tither. I'm not saying we've gone through different things. We've had to faith through things. But I don't want to get to the end of my life. And not have at least, actually, I live off the 100% principle. It's all God's. It's all his. But as a, just a faithful act of not obeying flesh, but obeying the word of God. And people say, well, that's old covenant. Well, first of all, tithing was before the law. Let's get that straight. Second of all, it is in the new covenant. You just have to read. And thirdly, if old covenant believers tithed who had a lesser covenant, why would new covenant believers do less than old covenant believers? Makes no sense to me. The only thing I come up with is people just get fleshy. They're just trusting in, in their money and things like that. So you want to see yourself tithe? Because most people are like, I would love to give that. But it's this pull, and sometimes the spirit of mammon is involved, and, and, and it's this pull of like, I, I can't let anything go. And if you want to see yourself get past that, go there in your thinking first. Go there in your mind. Trust God with your mind. Oh, my God, if there's ever been a day. I just heard this statistic recently. I got a little bit more preaching left to do. So you guys doing okay? I was going to really try to be done by 1130, but eh, whatever. Uh, I don't know who that old man was. Gone. He's dead and buried. 1130 man's gone. 
1140 man is on the horizon. 1145 man is probably the, the one we're going to go with. But I just heard this statistic. <laughs> we need to laugh more. We need to laugh more. I don't, know, I don't know how to do it, so you can pray for me, but I just want to have a laughing service sometimes. I mean, <laughs> to me, it's, this goes beyond flesh, but it's actually demonic that we keep the church from laughing. The Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It says that he who sits in the heavens, speaking of God, he laughs. <laughs> Pastor Bobby one time, he he was uh, battling physically and some different things, and he gets out, and it was in winter, and there was ice on the ground, and he didn't know it. He gets out of his car, steps down out of a, out of a he was driving the church van at that moment. He told me the story. And he steps out, and he slips on the ice. And, you know, most of you all have seen here Pastor Bobby. You've, in here, you've seen Pastor Bobby, and he's not, not super limber, and, uh, and is, you know, pretty good size, and you know, at that point, I think he was right at 70 years old, and he steps out and steps on the ice, and he falls. And for, you know, a guy that age and whatever, not being so limber to fall is a big deal. And this was what he told me, because he called me the next day, and he couldn't hardly contain himself. I said, he told me all that. I said, man, are you okay? He said, oh, yeah, I'm good. He said, I just laughed. I said, what? He said, oh, yeah, I laid there for 10 minutes and just laughed. I decided I'm just going to laugh. So he laughed for 10 minutes. He goes inside, and he, and he felt totally fine. He goes inside and tells his wife, and he said, we laughed together for another 20 minutes over the whole thing. <laughs> that's, that's how I want to be. That's how we need to be. So it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So here you have God. Having this mind, what was the mind, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. It's a continual lifestyle to die to self. Let me give you a few more scripture verses as we're closing here. I want to go to Luke chapter 23, and then we're going to go to Luke 14, and I want to pull these up on the screen so we can, we can see these. So Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and let's pull this up here real quickly. We know this, but I want to read it together anyways. Luke 9 and 23. It says, then he said to them, said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He, he made a prerequisite for being a disciple. Being a disciple, oh, this will affect the religious demons. There's none in here, though. Praise God. You guys can take it. Being saved, getting saved, receiving salvation is all about grace. Becoming a disciple is different. It's a decision to deny self. If you don't deny self, you are not a disciple. I'm not saying you're not saved. Don't misunderstand me. 
Lots of people are going to be in heaven that receive salvation that never became a disciple. Let me read it again. Then he said to them all, they all had the opportunity. Everybody has an opportunity to be a disciple. Everybody. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, take up his death stick (laughs) once a year. (laughs) Daily, every day, and follow me. Why? Because Jesus' life Everything about it was about denying self. Everything about it was about putting down his flesh. People think that Jesus was only God. No, he was also man. He was 100% God and he was 100% man. He had a flesh suit that he had to bring under subjection to the spirit inside of him. You and I have a flesh suit. We have to bring under subjection to the spirit on the inside of us. Let's go to Luke 14, 25 through 30. And we're gonna finish, we're gonna finish here. The 1140 guy might make it. You guys are awesome. Luke 14, and we're going to read verses 25 through 30. I'm glad that these are Jesus' words and not my words. So if you get mad at me, you would just be mad at Jesus. It's no problem. Are you going to get mad at me? (laughs) (laughs) So, I had this conversation with, I want to say this. I had this conversation with somebody um, yesterday, and they asked me, they said, why do you do things like you do? And I said, number one, I have no idea what I'm doing. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. <laughs> Did somebody say amen to that? I know who it was. I heard it. Oh, man. Sometimes it looks like, honestly, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm your leader. God, what are we doing here? (laughs) Sometimes people have things too figured out. It's like, come on, leave room for God to move. And I don't have all that figured out, but we're just, we're going for it. But I said, they said, why do you do things like you do? I said, well, number one, as I said, I, I spend an exuberant amount of time in the presence of the Lord. I spend more time in prayer now probably than reading, and I've gone through seasons where I spend more time reading than praying. I spend a lot of time in prayer, and it's increasing all the time. I said, that's the first thing. I said, the other thing is that when I read the book of Acts and I read the church there, I said, it ruins me. Because to me, that's our model for what the church is supposed to be like. And they were a church that didn't have a lot of form, but they had tremendous power. And today we have a church as a whole, I'm not speaking to specific churches, but as a whole, we have churches that have a tremendous form but no power. And it's because they've substituted 
gadgets and gizmos and man's wisdom and man's ways for the Spirit of God moving and the wisdom of God moving on the hearts of the people. I'm not saying I have it all figured out, but I'm saying that's the direction I'm going, and that's why I do things like I do. So verse 25 of Luke 14, it says, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Thank you, Jesus. It really encourages me. So what's he saying there? Obviously, you, can, you have to compare Scripture with Scripture. You can read other verses that clearly tell us to love people, right? We're, we need to take care of our own family. And so he's not saying to hate your family, even though he says you have to hate your family. You have to read it with the eyes of the, the Spirit a little bit here, right? Well, all Scripture, you need to do that. But really, he's talking about in comparison to the extreme of laying down all the important things here on this earth that really are important. Your life is important. When he's saying die to yourself, he's not saying your life has no value. He's saying compared to following him, it has no value. But yet we can read other places where it says that we're his workmanship. We're his masterpiece. He loves us and, you know, intently. We can see all these things. There's a balance to it. But he's trying to make the point that you have to lay down everything that's important to you if you are really, truly going to follow me. I do. This, see, this, when this becomes real to you, you'll be a nutcase just like me. <laughs> they, listen, they, you don't think that they thought that Jesus was a cult leader in his day? Drink my flesh and, or, or I mean, drink my blood and... Eat my flesh or you'll have no part of me. I mean, I think even if I heard that, I probably would have been like, you have the devil, brother. I mean, that's, that's intense. But yet he was the son of God. He was God manifest in the flesh. This is not extreme. This is normal Christianity. Normal. He said, if it wasn't normal, he wouldn't say do it every day. Take up your cross daily. All of the... The aspirations, all of the desires, all of the anything that you could put in there that we could ever have, if it doesn't come from him, it means nothing. And, and I just have come to this place to where I don't want to stand before Jesus and say, I could have given up more. I could have denied my flesh more. But I chose not to for the pleasures of, this present, of that present life. Because he says that anything you give up in this, in this life for the sake of the gospel, you'll receive a hundredfold, actually, in this life. And that's what's so amazing about the Lord is he tells us, if you want to find your life, you first have to lose it. And you're not just going to find your life in eternal life. You're going to find life here. You're going to find blessing and favor and healing and prosperity and deliverance and all the benefits of living in the kingdom of God. You can experience that here right now. Right now. You can have it, but you first have to die to yourself. You know how you can tell if you're, oh boy, if you're dead? Well, I could go down a lot of paths with that. But just in the church, if someone says, I don't want you to do this. If a leader says, don't do this anymore, but I want you to do this. Or, you know, I, I, uh, you know you're not going to lead this area anymore. I need you to do this thing over here. And you watch them. 
And now you see demons that got a hold of people's flesh. I've been pastoring long enough that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and sometimes it's just simple like, hey, I want to talk to you about, and they bow up on you. And it's like, whoa, whoa, flesh, flesh. Brother, sister, let's get that underneath of the blood and send it on down the river where it belongs and let's walk in love with one another. <laughs> All right. Going back here, Jesus' words were more harsh than mine, so, you know, it's okay. Verse 27, it says, Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I mean, this is getting real. Because, I mean, it's like I'm changing my language. I'll call everybody that, that I believe to be born again, I'll call them saints and on their way to heaven. But I ain't calling everybody a disciple anymore. Because the church has got too much flesh in it for some people to really be considered, to really be considered a disciple. And listen, there's, there is grace there is grace beyond measure. There's mercy beyond measure. But we can't just stop there and go, well, God's grace is covering me. No. Slap that flesh down. Set it on fire. Bury the ashes. Dig them back up. Put them in a box and throw a chain around it and throw it to the deepest part of the sea. Whatever you need to do to get rid of it. Wow. Am I Okay. You're going to have to pray for me when we get done here? Okay. And so, verse, I'm, okay, the 1045 guy is gone now. Okay. I, 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 I want to respect your time. I want to. Didn't say I will. No. <laughs> a few more minutes here. Listen to this. Let me read here in verse 20. It says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down and first count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. You know what this mocking is? This is Christians claiming to be something, and the world looks at them and says, you guys are a bunch of fools and hypocrites. You claim to believe in this guy who died for you, but you are still stuck in your flesh so much that it proves that you really don't believe in him as much as he believes in you. You know what Jesus said? He said, the world will know that you, that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. You know what manifested love is amongst us? Lack of flesh. The only reason we can't walk in love with people around us is because of flesh. There is no other reason. But they really hurt me. Who cares? Who cares? You hurt Jesus. I hurt Jesus. Who cares what they did? I mean, really, who cares? I remember saying something to somebody one time. I said, well, just get over it. And then they were offended that I told them to get over it. I'm not, I'm not kidding. We're, we're just called to live at a higher level. 
I just got to, you know what I found is the best formula to be the best pastor that I can be is just spend time with Jesus and just be me. I'm done. I'm done. I've, it's, it's been a battle for years. And it's, it's flesh here. I'm revealing to you. It's flesh to want to be accepted by people doing what God has told you to do. And I would say that I'm, I'd like to believe I'm 95% there. 85 to 90% is probably more accurate, which probably means 80%. But <laughs> I don't know. There's something in human beings that wants to be accepted by people. And really, the, the thing about being accepted, God put that in us, but it was supposed to be towards him. And we get, we get messed up and want people to accept us. And so we'll do things or not do things based on whether we think people are going to like it or not. And there's a balance because I've met really, really cold pastors. They're like, I don't care if anybody likes me. And it's like, well, nobody does. So <laughs> I don't want to be like that, that's for sure. But I also don't want to be so moved that I can't just speak the truth. Because Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say, make people comfortable sitting in the chairs on a Sunday morning so they will keep coming back and not be offended. He, did, he never said that. And he told, he told the fivefold ministry, or he set in order the fivefold ministry for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. The saints are the ones that are called to actually do the work of the ministry. The fivefold is to equip them for the work of the ministry. And part of the equipping, I would say the majority of the equipping is learning, it's teaching people. And I, look, I'm in the boat, I am in the boat with you. I do not have 100% no flesh in my life. If I did, I would just be a glowing ball up here or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it's us learning how to walk out what God has placed in us and just eliminate and annihilate as much flesh as we possibly can between now and the day we die. You want to you know what I, flesh that I've had to battle? It's looking that we have been here 10 years and when it was nine years and eight years and seven years and six years and five years and four years and three years, we've been at this a while. And realizing that our church numbers has never, it's never gotten more. We've had probably 130, 140 people as far as our max numbers and services on a Sunday morning. That's about the max that we've ever hit consistently for any period of time. I've had to look and realize that I've poured my life into this. Liz and I, we poured our life into this. And God has, he's blessed us. We live in the best place ever. It's amazing. It's just awesome. He's so good. Uh, but we've had to realize that, and I've had to realize that we don't have all the bells and whistles like a lot of like big churches and stuff that they have. And I'm not against those churches at all. Believe me. They're preaching Jesus. I am for them. 100% I'm for them. But I'm not called to do what they're doing. I don't have the same calls that, that, that they do. And I'm not going to judge them as whether they're doing right or wrong or whatever. But my guess is that if they would give more messages like this, they'd probably have less people but a more pure group. Because you guys, you guys have really learned to just die to yourself and serve one another. And you say, well, why are you preaching this? Because we can still grow in this. <laughs> so I've had, I've had to step back and go, you know what? Lots of people have come against me. Lots of people have left. Lots of people have done these things. And some were legitimate reasons, and some were just because they were offended. You don't ever leave somewhere because you're offended. <laughs> Anyways. But I've had to look and go, you know what? 
And, I'm, and, and I've had to walk through this stuff and go, it's not about you, Kent. If you are really dead to yourself and you're doing what God's telling you to do, who cares? Not saying I don't care about people, but as far as how it would make my flesh feel, who cares? It's not about me. Am I doing this to try to grow a big church so people can go, Will, he really knows what he's doing. Jesus had only, after three years of the most powerful ministry on the face of the earth ever, had 120 people that were there at the, at the end. <laughs> it ain't about numbers. What are we doing with what we got? What are we doing? Listen, I need to stop, and I want to tell you this. I love you. I genuinely love you. I care for you. Liz and I care for you. That's why I say these things. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like, not even because the kids are being bad. Sometimes the kids are being bad, and you got to bring them in and be like, here, here. Other times, it's just like, let's make some progress. Let's grow. Let's grow together. I'm not telling you anything that God hasn't already told me. You know why I can minister and it be powerful and impactful and even funny? I'm like, wow, I'm becoming funny, only by the grace of God. Uh, <laughs> it's because I've walked through this stuff myself. Truth. Amen. Uh, I don't know who gave me this. I'm going to finish with this one little thing here. Not the last scripture verse that I said I was going to finish with. It's all I got with you all week as a whole church. Forgive me for being, just being me. I don't even know why I apologize anymore. You already know. Um, someone gave this to me. And if it was you, you can come up and tell me afterwards. I do not know. I do not know who gave this to me. And forgive me if it was you. Sometimes I get so many things handed to me and so many things, videos sent. Listen, I probably don't watch your videos. <laughs> I can't. I don't have enough time in the day. I get like a lot of them. But I do, if I can, I will. So don't take that personal. There's lots of you that send me a lot of videos. And when I can, I, I, I do because I value your, your heart and opinion and things. But listen to this. Somebody gave this to me. And I don't even know where it came from. And when I laid down last night, I got my Bible and my iPad. And uh, I lay down, and this fell, it fell out. I don't know, from heaven. Listen to this. It says, there are those that have been called to serve in the harvest field, but their gifts have not made way yet because it wasn't uh, their time, but they're speaking to me and says, your time. God is now calling to those who haven't been used fully yet. It's the 11th hour of the day, and the harvest is still not complete. It is your time now. I have hidden you away for such a time as this, the final push in power and strength. I don't know who you were, but thank you. And I don't even remember reading this before. I might have stuck it somewhere, and the Lord brought it out when I needed it. And that's what I believe about what God says about me and what he says about you. He is, we are, I'm telling you, this church is a hidden gem. It's a jewel. It's a jewel. I believe with everything in me that if Jesus, and he is, he is, but if we could see him in person walking in the midst of this church, I truly believe he would say, thank you for being faithful. I believe that, and it wouldn't just be to me, it would be to all of us. So thank you for being faithful. Thank you for standing fast, standing true, valuing truth, valuing these kind of messages. Amen. I love you guys so much. I'm honored to be your pastor. We got great days ahead. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. 
If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.